0: With them, a little harder to brutalize with them if you imagine what life is like from their point of view and the, the rise of general intellectual attitude towards social practices. Can we justify what we're doing or do we have to defend it in argument and do the people in power have to defend what they do? When you start to have widespread literacy, a free press, people will start to question whether slavery can really be justified or mutilating people as a form of, of uh, punishment or having public executions and practice after practice fell when people started to scrutinize them, debate them, the debates caught on, they would embroil people in coffee houses and pubs, and then eventually, the politicians who would sign measures into law. Okay, you've, you've mentioned uh, a whole
1: bunch of things here. And I, I want to sort of pick up a few of them coming back to the state, the government, which now often has more power than it used to in, in previous years. It seems that you could make a different argument, which is that With the rise of the nation state, it is actually much easier to engineer mass killings, Nazi extermination of the Jews or Chairman Mao's eradication of of his political enemies during the Cultural Revolution. In other words, maybe there are less frequent violent outbursts, but when they do happen, they're deadlier.
0: Uh, They can be, although it's it's misleading. If you're talking about the effect of government as a whole uh, over the course of history, and there have been thousands of them, to pick the two or three worst ones gives you a misleading picture of the role of government in general compared to anarchy.
1: One of the points that you make in your book is you credit the Enlightenment with some of this this kind of this more humanistic way of treating our our fellow neighbors. I want to talk about that legacy uh, a bit. The Enlightenment, of course, the dawn of the age of reason, I guess you could say, and to counteract uh, old religious attitudes. How far can we take this to explain this new era of at least more
0: peacefulness? I think it has profound effect. for, For one thing, around the time of the Enlightenment, you see a a wave of reforms designed to eliminate some of the institutionalized barbaric practices. That's when governments stopped burning people alive or breaking them on the wheel or disemboweling them in public as a form of punishment. Our own Eighth Amendment, with its prohibition of cruel and unusual punishment, is just an example of what happened during that slice of history. The abolition movement, the abolition of slavery, was another gift of the Enlightenment. It used to be legal everywhere in the world. Around the time of the Enlightenment, there was a a domino of abolitions that eventually swept across the entire globe. Uh, Debtor's prisons, blood sports, absolute despots who could kill on a whim. All of those were questioned during the Enlightenment. Cruelty to animals, persecution of homosexuals. They didn't all take effect Uh, in the second half of the 18th century. Some of them did, and some of them, the ideas had to bide their time while more destructive ideologies took over. But then they, they reappeared in the 20th century, and the arguments for human rights that we've put into practice very much go back to the time of Kant and Locke and Hume and Adam Smith and the American framers several hundred years ago. It seems that there's a profound philosophical question at the heart
1: of this, and that is whether we become better human beings, better in terms of being more compassionate because of our powers of reason, of, of sort of you know coming up with rational underpinnings for moral codes, or whether we act kindly towards other people for more emotional reasons, perhaps because we have been led to think this way through religious
0: upbringing. You're right that there is a, an interesting back and forth between the head and the heart, if you will. That is, do we refrain from cruel and destructive practices because we have compassion and empathy for the victims or because we have a commitment to ideas like universal human rights that don't justify or don't permit the exploitation of other living things. It's very hard to know which came first, but I do think they go back and forth and they can reinforce each other. I don't think it can just be empathy, because... Quite frankly, I don't think that anyone can literally feel the pain of everyone else on, on earth. Maybe I'm a bad person, but I just don't spend that many hours of the day imagining what it's like to be a starving person in South Asia or a, a victim of war in, in Africa. On the other hand, I firmly believe that anything that we can do to alleviate hunger and war ought to be implemented. I think that there's no other position can be defended morally, and I'm willing to put it into practice in terms of support for policies, charitable donations.